I am proud to be here with you this morning. You never know who's gonna show up when it rains, right? It's like you hit the snooze, let's just go back to sleep. And so it's fun to, to see you all here today. And uh, I can, it, it sounds strange, but you can, you can tell when there's a hunger for God, when, when you're willing to, to push past a little a bit of things that are um, uh, uncomfortable, that make it a little challenging. What's up, Cody? And uh, it, it's fun just to, to, to see you and to be here with you. And, and, and the Lord honors that. He sees you, he sees your heart. He sees your willingness to come into his presence. So I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't know what's going on in your life, what this past week, this past month, this past season, but you need to know that your heavenly father sees you and he sees your effort. You need to know that. Um, I remember a little over a year ago, I think it was on a Friday morning when Ikea announced that they were gonna be opening up a store in Nashville. And and I remember talking to Courtney and, you know, she was uh, excited to say the least. Maybe it's a word that I would use to, to describe her. And it was just this kind of moment we realized, Ikea's coming, no more driving to Atlanta, right? No more, no more calling her sister in Louisville when we need something that is easy to put together and cheap, right? And, 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 and I just remember just being excited at the, at the thought of, of, of Ikea coming to town, Right, and then they tell us that they're not coming, and, and I hope that we no longer ever give business to IKEA, right, as a church family. No, just kidding. No, but 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 I was just kind of thinking about that that moment, and and that's just kind of the way that we are wired, that when we experience something that is good, when we experience something that we believe in, when we experience something that we have been blessed by, but that isn't close, that isn't accessible, it's such a bummer. But then when we find out that it's, that it's come close, that it's near, it just evokes this excitement, right? This is the way you felt about Chewy's, for those of you from Texas when it moved to town, right? This is the way that some of you felt about a bike lane when Nashville finally started to be friendly towards cyclists. And, 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 and we just have all these things that, that are, are distant, that, that bless us, and then when they come close, man, it's just such a joy. When things that aren't accessible come into our neighborhood, it brings so much joy. I remember a while ago as a church family, we've been a church family here at Marathon for, for six years, and I remember a couple years ago we were doing something in the neighborhood specifically to bless the, the children that live in this part of the city, and I remember um, we were doing something to, to help them get ready for school, and, and I remember a dad from the neighborhood, he, I know where he lives, he pointed out his house, and, and he stops and, and he said, hey, are you one of the, the pastors at this church? And I said, yeah, and he said, I want to just thank you so much for being here. He said, you have no idea how important it is that you're here. He said, so many of these kids, he said, they, they don't have good influences in their life. And they just grow up and they end up just in gangs and they end up in jail. And he said, you have no idea, just, just your presence, your influence. And it was just such a blessing to, to hear that from someone who lives in this neighborhood. And I was reminded that, that day that what he was sharing is, is that he was seeing the intention of the church from the very beginning. I was reminded that, that the church, that God's people were from the very beginning created and commissioned to be a blessing to those around them. 
You see this in the very beginning of the story. You go back in, 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 and you open the Bible, the very first chapter in Genesis chapter 12, the very first book of the Bible, God shows up to this man named Abram and he says, I'm going to bless you and I wanna bless the entire world through you. And you see, it, it wasn't just about Abram being blessed. It was about the world being blessed by God through this man, through his wife, through their family. It has always been the intention of God to bless the world through his people. It's not just in the beginning. You see this in the middle of scripture. You see this in Ezekiel chapter 47. This man named Ezekiel, he, is, he gets this vision. And in the vision, he sees the temple, which is the place where the people of God worshiped. And it's where the people of God prayed. And in the temple, he saw this small stream of water flowing out from the temple. And it was flowing out into the desert. And it said that, that wherever the river flowed, things started to flourish. And that wherever the river flowed, dead things started to come alive. And what he was seeing is that the people of God were never intended just to stay in the temple. It was this picture that as a people of God leave and they find themselves in a world that is, is dying, in a world that is, 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 is suffering and, and hurting, that the people of God, where the people of God are, things flourish. And where the people of God are, dead things come alive and it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God's original intention from, there, from the very beginning that God would use his people to bless the world. You see it in, in the Genesis, you see it in the middle of the Bible, you see it in Jesus' ministry. You read through the gospels when Jesus encountered people who were sick, what did he do? He healed them. When he encountered people who were sad, he comforted them. When he encountered people who were hungry, he fed them. When he encountered people who were confused about the, the goodness of God, he brought clarity. When he found people who hated him and who hurt him and who rejected him, he died for them. See this in the early church and the Christians. You read in the book of Acts, they're selling their possessions giving to those who were in need. They were healing the sick. They were sharing their faith in the heart of God from the very beginning that continues to be today in his church is that the church would be the place where God's love and God's grace and God's power and God's resources flow through God's people for the sake of those who don't have them so that the world around them who don't know God could experience the God that we know. Does that get you fired up? Today, we're beginning a new teaching series. I guess that answer is no, because no one said anything. You can say amen, you can say yes, you can nod your head. Does that get you excited to think about the things that, that God has been dreaming up from the very beginning and we get to be a part of that? Like Casey, you get to be a part of what God's been doing since the very beginning. Does that make you excited? Yes. Today we're beginning a new teaching series that we are calling For the City. For the City. Where we're gonna explore what it looks like to be a church family that lets and wants the blessings of God to flow through us for the sake of the city. And so each week for the rest of this fall, we're gonna be looking at, at kind of one idea for how we as a church family can leverage what we have for the sake of those who don't know for the, for the sake of those who don't yet know Jesus. And so today, the big idea that we're gonna be working through is that, is that this work for the city, this work of the blessings flowing through us, it, it begins in our hearts. It has to begin in our hearts as a people of God. And then it moves to the hearts of those who don't yet know God. 
It begins in our hearts and then moves into the hearts of those who don't yet know God. And I was reminded how much scripture has to say about the heart. Solomon says this in Proverbs chapter four. He says, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I think about what Jesus said in Luke chapter six. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, that, that, the heart, uh, that our hearts are most central to us. And Jesus, I love it, he cuts right to the chase in Matthew 13 because he knows the importance of our heart. He knows what happens when a heart is gripped and set on fire for his glory. He knows what happens when a heart comes face to face with the goodness of who God is. And so he doesn't beat around the bush and he doesn't go to, to the actions. He goes right to the heart of it. And he talks about four different types of hearts that Christina just read. A heart that's like the path, a heart that's like rocky soil, a heart that is like one that is surrounded by thorns, and a heart that is marked by good soil. And Jesus goes on to explain what, what these mean. And he says this in verse 19. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, I was asking, you know, what is that that he's talking about? What is the message of the kingdom? How would you answer that question? You know, the message of the kingdom is, is all about the king. And who's the king? Who's the king? Jesus. The message of the kingdom is, is about Jesus, about, about who Jesus is about what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, and what Jesus will do. The message of the kingdom is all about the king. And he said, whenever this kingdom is proclaimed, whenever Jesus is talked about, he said, there is always, there are always four different types of responses. So whenever you hear about Jesus, whenever you hear about his kingdom, about who he is and what he has done and what he is going to do, the, 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 the first response is a hardened response, like the path. It says this in verse 19. When anyone hears a message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. And that kind of sounds terrifying, right? But, but I wanna explain it just real quickly. He's not simply talking about not understanding like, like it's too difficult to comprehend. He's not saying whenever Jesus is, is proclaimed and it just goes over our head. That's not what he's getting at. The reality is that we encounter things in scripture all the time that are difficult to, to understand and make sense of. What he is getting at is a passive and apathetic posture to Jesus. It's more along the lines of when you hear of Jesus, something that Jesus is doing, something that Jesus wants to do, and you are not familiar with, with that aspect of his heart or of his ministry, and, 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 and you're not operating in that, in that faith and in that power, and Jesus brings it into your life, and instead of, of asking, instead of pressing in, instead of praying into it, you let it go in one ear and out the other. You're passive. You're apathetic. The second path, the second heart, that Jesus describes is, is the rocky soil. And he says this in verse 20. And he says, the seed that falls on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And this is the way things work, that, that each of us, when, when you hear about Jesus and it starts to, to permeate your heart, there is instant joy and excitement because you realize what Christ has done for you. 
that he has saved you, that he has seated you in the heavenly realms. It is only good news when you understand because we are only bad and he is only good and the exchange that happens. And, and so what Jesus is describing is that some people, they hear about the goodness and the fullness of Jesus and at once they receive it with joy. And this is so many of us, man, you, you, you taste the goodness of Jesus. You're excited about house church. You're excited about volunteering with Nana. You're excited about reading the word. You're getting excited about praying. And then something comes into your life that is hard. One commentator describes it like this, when, when distress comes into your world, something that is, that is an oppressive mentally or physically or socially or economically, and so often what happens is that we are all about Jesus. We are all about the kingdom. We are all about being his people until something hard comes, until Jesus doesn't give us what we want. And then we so easily just let go of Jesus. Third type of soil that Jesus describes is a distracted soil. Verse 22, the seed that falls among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful. Jesus presses in to two factors. And, and, and when we think about, when those of us who are followers of Jesus, when you think about the things that sabotage our faith, that sabotage the, the work of God in our lives, are these two things the things that we typically think of? Jesus elevates the, the smaller, more subtle, slowly forming danger of worry and deceitfulness of wealth. And he describes that, that for a while, a, a follower of Jesus can let these things coexist. We can be passionate about Jesus. We can be passionate about his kingdom. And then we can also kind of be nursing and managing, worrying and, 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 and this passion for, for worldly wealth. And he says, for a time, those things can grow, but eventually this overtakes the work of God in your life. The fourth soil that he describes in verse 23, but the seed that falls on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And so we read through this, right? And we all wanna be the good soil, right? Like, I, I wish that we read through this and we were all like, man, we're all the good soil. Let's just take communion and have a great Sunday, right? Like, but what if we're not the good soil? What if we're not where we wanna be? What if our hearts aren't where we want them to be? What do we do? And I wanna encourage you this morning, if, if you're at all bothered because you look at your life and we're reading through this and, and, and you're bothered by, because you're not where you wanna be, if you're bothered at all, you need to be encouraged because it's proof that there's good soil in your heart, okay? And I wanna encourage you that, that it's Jesus. And we're gonna walk through this. It's Jesus, the one who comes in, who makes the soil good, right? And so if you're like me, we read through this and I'm like, okay, that's good because I was convicted and now you're telling me that it's good because, because I was bothered by it and so it means there's some good stuff. What do I need to do to fix it, right? Hold on. It's Jesus' work. He longs to do that so that he can get the glory. Let's look into this for a, a few minutes. If, if you come here this morning and, and you resonate with the path, first of all, I'm so thankful that you're here. 
It's proof that you're not really a person of the path if you're here this morning. But you look at your life and you go, man, I am, I'm resistant to God in so many ways. If you look at your life and you realize that, that you constantly just tell God and you're always telling God's people no, let me just invite you, the next time that he stirs something in your heart, don't let your default answer be no. So when you get invited to, to join a house church, don't just say no. But you're like, Brandon, you don't know me. I don't like people. And I've been hurt by people. But what if God's wanting to use people to heal that hurt in your heart? And every time God sends somebody to, to invite you back into community, to invite you back into healing, you are so resistant to it. Or you hear a, about God, maybe it's a, a podcast that you're listening to, or maybe it's one of your friends that, that is talking to you and you hear passages about Jesus, that he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, instead of initially looking at your heart and going, yeah, but you don't know how sinful I am and just letting it, it fall on a hardened heart, what if you, if, you, if you let that into your heart? What if God is gracious and compassionate? Instead of just immediately looking at your sin and your brokenness, what if in the midst of that, God's trying to communicate his nature to you? Some of you this morning, you resonate with the rocky soil. You look at your life and you go, man, this has just been the roller coaster of my life that I've been passionate for a season, but then I've been so quick to fade. And I wanna just encourage you, the way to combat that, the only way to, to, to defeat that is to establish roots, to go deeper with God. This is an invitation for, for those of you this morning that were convicted because you go, man, I am, I'm so quick to, to jump on the Jesus train and so quick to jump off. He's inviting you to go deep. Thank you. Some of you this morning, you know very little about God and it's amazing that you're here. I think about how often in, in things that, that I don't much, know much about or things that I'm not good at and I'll just like stay at arm's length. We were at a wedding last night and people are on the floor dancing and I know how terrible of a dancer I am. And so I'm like, I don't want any part of that, right? And, and, and some of you go, I don't know any, anything about God, but you're here this morning. And that's amazing. but don't let that be an excuse going forward, okay? We love to make excuses in our culture. We love to blame somebody else. If you don't know about much about God, man, the scriptures reveal the story of God from the very beginning. Take a Bible home if you don't have one. I would give you my Bible, but I really like it. But if, if you want a different Bible, come, I'll get you another one. Just start reading. Think about how disciplined we are as, as just human beings. You're like, I'm not disciplined. Yes, you are. You put on a shirt this morning and you do that every morning, hopefully, right? And you brush your teeth, hopefully, every morning. And you eat lunch. And we do these things. We are more disciplined than we give ourselves credit for. And yet when, when it comes to the scripture, it's so hard to read. And there's reason for that because God knows how beneficial it's gonna be. But you know else who knows? The enemy, I wanna just encourage you to start reading. If you don't know where to start, read through the book of Luke and then read through the book of Acts. 
Just start reading. Read a chapter a day. Read a story a day. You can do it. Come to know who God is. Start reading. Start praying. You know, some of you, you go, man, I'm, I don't know how to pray. I'm not a good prayer. That's not an excuse. You know, my kids, when, when, when they, are, they grow up, they, um, there's a phase where they don't know how to talk. And that's a really sweet time, right? Because there becomes a point where they never quit talking. And, but I remember like when, when, when Merritt, she's in it right now, where, where she didn't know how to talk and now she's learning to talk and she doesn't know very many words. And I don't look at her and go, Merritt, I can't believe you can't talk in sentences. Like, that was ridiculous that you didn't ask me like with, uh, with, with, with coherent thoughts. And yet how often we come to God and we go, man, we just have to have it together. No, he's your papa. And he just wants to hear from you. How many of you have moms and dads that will just call you and they'll say this to you? I haven't heard from you in a while. <laughs> You're guilty. I am too, right? And he loves to hear from his children. Just start talking to him. And it's gonna be slow. And I was talking to someone this week and, and they were talking about, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to, to, to think about getting there because I, I, don't, I don't pray for four hours a day, right? How many of us in this room pray for four hours a day, right? Maybe Ty. <laughs> we gotta start somewhere. You start somewhere. Start talking to God about what's going on in your heart, your, your frustrations, your struggles. Start noticing the things that are good in life, that you enjoy, the things that bring joy and happiness to your life. Start giving him credit for it. He tells us in James that every good and perfect gift is from above. Just start talking to your father. Start serving. Okay, it's not just this relationship about reading and praying, man. Start serving people. Start thinking about people beside yourself. Let other people into your life. Don't be a recluse. And what happens? You see, what happens when, as the people of God, we, we, we take serious this responsibility to be people who, who read and who pray and who serve and who connect with others. And, and you might not even realize what's happening, but the roots are going down. And often we don't see it that way. And that's why we're so quick to, to, to hit the eject button because it doesn't feel like it. But you need to know a person who is disciplined enough to just stay in the routines is developing deep roots in God. And it takes time and it takes nourishment. I had a friend reach out to me this week and they were saying, hey, I'm in a, I'm in a tough place right now. Will you just pray for me? And I thought that person has consistently made the choice to have other people around them so that when hard things come in life, they're not going through it by themselves. And think about how often we go through hard stuff and because we've chosen to isolate, we have no one around us to help us. And the roots go deeper, okay? Some of you, you resonate with the soil and the thorns. And you came here this morning and we read this and, and, and you literally can see it happening in your life. You realize how much you are worrying about things that maybe you didn't worry about five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago, but, but now you look at your life and you're like, man, I, I am worrying all the time. Or you look at your life and you realize how, how, how concerned you are in an ungodly way with finances. 
You spend more time looking at the stock it changed than you are, than you are looking at the word. How often you're thinking about worldly things and worldly wealth instead of kingdom wealth. How you can benefit yourself. The Lord was convicting me in this text this week. And I was telling Chad, Chad and I were having lunch this week and I was telling him, you know, it's not uncommon for me to wake up in the middle of the night and to lay awake for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, just worrying and he's like, yeah, I don't do that. And I'm like, I know, I've got a problem. And, and, and it's, it's crazy because I, I, I worry and yet I convince myself that it's okay. And I was convicted this week because God says, no, worrying will choke out the word. How many of us believe that? No, we nurse it for a while. We, we, we lay in bed at night and we, and, we, and, we, and we nurse it. And the whole time, this thing is growing. So what do we do? Do we just quit worrying? Is it that easy? Do we quit thinking about things in this world? Do we just redirect our attention from worldly things to, to kingdom things? The Lord is reminding me, if we will just partner with the Lord in real time to remove the thorns as they pop up, not only will they, they not have any room to overtake us, they won't have any room to grow. And so in our landscape, um, for Mother's Day this year, me and the kids got, Courtney, these snowball bushes. And hopefully they're gonna bloom. And I was noticing the other day, I was at home on Friday and there were some, some weeds that were starting to, to, to develop at the, at the root around the, the flowers. And I just went over and I picked them up and I thought, man, how easy, how easy was that? And our whole landscape wasn't overtaken with weeds, but there were just a few things that were popping up. And if you let them grow, they end up sucking nutrients. They start sucking life and they start overpowering and taking over this beautiful flower. But if we'll just have the ability to deal with it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what Jesus does in our lives. He brings to the surface these, these small weeds. And if we will deal with them, with him in real time, they won't grow into thorns. So what do we do? As he exposes those things, we don't run and hide and kick ourselves, we confess them. Christians should be the most confessing people on the face of the planet. Weeds are gonna keep popping up, right? When we planted those snowball bushes, I wasn't under the illusion, okay, I planted them and now I never have to do anything else again, right? Our hearts need tending to them. The enemy is real. He sows so many things in our hearts. And the Lord, his job is to illuminate those things for us to confess, for us to con repent, for us to be generous. The Lord has no problem with money. It's all his. If he had a problem with it, if it was evil, there wouldn't be it. Solution to being kingdom people instead of worldly people is that we're generous. We're not tight-fisted with the things that we have. We use them as opportunities to bless those around us. And we have to make sure our hearts are good. Like this, this text is, is about our hearts. But let's not stop there this morning. The desire is that we will be people 
who Jesus describes in verse 23. The seed falls on good soil, refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Do you know it's, it's not an exaggeration that there are hundreds of thousands of people in our city that will go through this life never knowing Jesus. Not just hundreds, not just thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of people. I remember when I came to college a long time ago, as a freshman, constantly meeting new people, and I would have this conversation over and over again where people would be like, hey, do you know so-and-so? I'm like, no, I don't know them. Oh, you gotta meet them. And then they would go on to describe why I needed to meet that person, right? Or think about that if, if you start a new job and, and, and you connect with someone and, and, and they're like, hey, have you met this person? No, I haven't met them yet. Well, you gotta meet them. And we do this all the time. And I was asking myself this question. If, if someone were to ask us about the Lord, would that be our response? You gotta meet him. And this is why. Like, what would we tell people? I would hope that, that, that we would be people that, that understand the, 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 goodness, the goodness of who God is, that, that the God that we interact with in this life has the power to do the impossible, that, that our God heals, that our God speaks. Yeah, Cody, that our God speaks to us. Like in real time, that, that God just isn't some distant genie in a bottle, that our God speaks, that our God guides us, that our God helps us make decisions, that our God is known as the counselor that our God comforts those who are lonely, that our God binds up those who are brokenhearted, that our God forgives us of our sins and who gives us what we need to forgive those who have hurt us, that our God provides for us. And I hope that if we find ourselves in a situation that we, that we, with people who don't know Jesus, that we go, man, you gotta know him because he is so much more than just a ticket to heaven. That, that, that we wouldn't be a church that is content with people all around us just going through this life without knowing God, without doing everything that we can to scatter as much seed as we can. In this story, we are the soil, okay? This is, this is about our hearts. But I've also been reminded that, that the Lord has given us seed. He's been, for those of us who are Christians, he's given us the gospel which means that we also get to partner with him to scatter the seed. Our tendency, I think, in our culture, and this is becoming more and more pervasive, is, is to hold on to the seed, to not talk about Jesus, to not talk about the great work that he has done and that he is doing in our lives. And, and I think this is true. It's not because we don't want to. We just don't know how. We don't know how to bring him up. We don't know how to talk about him. Let me just give you some practical, some things to do if you go, man, I, I have the seed and I wanna scatter. I just don't know how. I don't know how to bring him up in conversation. I don't know how to talk about him. I wanna just give you some, some, some default things to, 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 to rely back on. And so first, thing, I wanna invite, to encourage you to, to constantly just invite people to church. That's an amazing way to scatter seed. Invite people to house church. Live lives of service at home and at work. Do the thing that no one else at work wants to do. 
that no one else will see, that no one will know that you did it. When you go to lunch with a coworker, ask if you can pray before you eat. Not so that you can, you, you can try to prove to them something, but to show that you're, you're truly grateful for this food that you've been given. When someone reaches out and they ask for prayer, and this will happen. It's a follower of Jesus. Someone in your life that doesn't follow Jesus, they will, there will be a time where they reach out and they ask for prayer, they ask for help. And don't just tell them that you'll pray, actually pray. And follow up with them. And when God gives you an opportunity, when that door is open, and, and I can't tell you when this is gonna happen, but I know that it will happen, testify to what he's done in your life. There's this passage in Revelation chapter 21. I was convicted about this a couple years ago as I was, as I was reading it. He lists those who, who, who are missing out on the kingdom of heaven. And the very first thing that he lists is those who are cowardly. May we not be cowardly. May we be courageous. Maybe we would be willing to talk about our king, to talk about the things that he has done in our lives and not care what people think about us. To testify. You know, it's not our job to worry about what people will do with Jesus. It's our joy, it's our job to share Jesus and to know the power and the potential in what happens when we choose to share. And so the reality is that sometimes you share and nothing happens. But Jesus wants us to also understand that sometimes when we're willing to talk about him, we're willing to invite people in to the kingdom, the, the, the fruit that will be born in that person's life is a hundred times. I was talking to a friend this week and he was telling me, he said, I invite people to church all the time, all the time and it's so discouraging because of all the people I've invited, only one person has ever come with me. Some of you, you've been walking with, with someone for a long time. You've been discipling them to follow Jesus. You've been seeing growth in their life. And then all of a sudden they checked out. They quit returning the phone calls. They, 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 they cut you out of their lives and you're so discouraged. And, and this is just the reality of living life in the kingdom. But sometimes you'll share Jesus. Sometimes you'll invite someone to church and they'll actually come. Think about a friend that I invited to church a while ago. And it was so cool, him being here and him getting to interact with you. And he kept talking about how just incredible it was to be around you. And I disagreed, you know, obviously. I told him that wasn't true, no. But we were on the way home and he said, all day as I was, as I was, as I was with you, as I was like with the people at church, he's like, I just felt something like this, like felt something inside. What was that? I'm like, it's God. That's what happens when you're around God's people. When you're around so much light and so much love and so much joy, and maybe you as a follower of Jesus, you don't even recognize it, but there is something that happens in our presence and it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God's intention from the beginning to bless people through us. And sometimes people will be blessed. Sometimes they'll come to church. Sometimes you'll share your story and you'll walk with someone for a season and they'll move to a different city, they'll move to a different continent and you'll never know how much of an impact you had on their lives. I was having a conversation this week with a guy 
And I was reminded that, that in his past, there was this person that, that showed up and, and, and walked with him and loved him. And that person will probably never know the impact that it's having right now. For the city. Our church for the city. Marathon. Ethos for the city. Part of growing up is that we have to realize that the world doesn't revolve around us. That we could take this story and we could spend all the time looking at our hearts and we must do that. But growing up means that we start to care about the hearts and the needs of others. The people around us who don't know Jesus. And when we are willing to share and to serve and to speak, who knows what God will do? So we're gonna take communion in just a minute. We have a piece of bread and a cup of juice scattered all over the room. And we do this every Sunday that we eat a piece of bread and we drink a cup of juice to remember Jesus. And we do this um, together. We do this communally. And so I wanna invite you to get with a couple of people, people that you feel comfortable with. And maybe if you don't feel comfortable with them, that could even be better. Take communion with three or four people. And I wanna give you two questions to, to think about and to share as you take communion. The first question is this, what soil do you relate to? Right now, is your heart resistant? Is your faith shallow? Are you distracted? Or would you say you're receptive? So what soil do you relate to? Are you resistant, shallow, distracted, or receptive? And the second question I want, you, want us to think about in communion is, is where do you see a need for Jesus in the city? And what are you going to do about it? So often it's easy to go, man, what is, what's my church doing? No, you are the church. I am the church. What are the needs that God is putting right in front of you? And what are you gonna do about it? Let me pray and then we'll go and take communion. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these men and women and for the children. Thank you that, that you've died for us. Thank you for, um, for the way that your Holy Spirit just encourages and cuts away the things that are not of you in us. And God, I pray for soft, receptive hearts this morning. I pray that in communion, Jesus, you would meet us. That, that the same rain that is coming down physically outside, God, that the, the spiritual rain would come down on our hearts, that it would water the, the, the message of who you are deep in our hearts, that we would want nothing more than to be your people. And so God, would you bind the enemy? Would you do the work right now of tending to the soil of our hearts? And we open them up to you, Jesus, as we take communion. Help us to not be afraid, but to share freely. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.